Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Roy Hunter. Roy has a huge passion for serving and minding others through his work as a hypnotherapist, as a hypnotherapy trainer, as a self-hypnosis trainer, an international speaker, and an author. So Roy, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's an honor to be so well-known in the profession. Thanks, Roy. You're so welcome, and I'm delighted to be talking to you. And Roy, can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Sure. I believe that the best way to start is at the beginning. I learned about self-hypnosis before I ever got certified. And then uh, at the time, I was selling business equipment for uh, Litton Industries and suffered a permanent back injury. Hypnosis and self-hypnosis helped me tame the uh, pain to a more tolerable level because uh, I fractured a disc and the disc fragment was sticking into my spinal cord. The pain was absolutely excruciating. And without going into details on what happened in the hospital, uh, because I was hospitalized for several days, let me just say that the doctor told me that I would be suffering chronic back pain the rest of my life and be on daily pain medication. Well, that wasn't a very uh, good prognosis. And hypnosis helped me tame the pain to a tolerable level. So uh, at the, uh, in 1983, I studied hypnotherapy and got certified under the late Charles Tebbets. I didn't realize at the time that my teacher was uh, a 20th century legend in the profession. I just happened to be living close enough to attend his training program. And in retrospect, I'm very grateful because he was one of the pioneers of client-centered hypnosis, which means you fit the technique to the client instead of trying to fit the client to your uh, pet technique. And uh, prior to his passing, he asked me to continue his work. So eventually I started teaching professional hypnosis, a nine month program at uh, Tacoma Community College. And uh, that's about 30 miles south of Seattle in the Pacific Northwest of the USA. And eventually when he passed away, I wrote a textbook, The Art of Hypnosis for the first three months of my nine month course and in The Art of Hypnotherapy, which is a textbook for months four through nine. I started uh, having speaking opportunities uh, after my books were published, the speaking opportunities increased. Initially, I gave some local presentations. And for any hypnotherapist who are new in the profession, uh, giving local talks is an excellent way uh, to build up a uh, client base. And then after two or three years in the business, most of my clients, over half of my new clients were referrals from successful clients who'd seen me previously because at the end of uh, a client's number of sessions for a particular goal, I would always give him or her three business cards and say, please share me with your friends and family. I figure if I help somebody uh, make a, an important life-changing 
event that I've earned the right to ask for referrals. Yeah. And that ended up being my best form of marketing was the quality of my work. So uh, that helped me be even more grateful for the teachings that I learned from Charles Tebbets. And then teaching in the college and then writing books resulted in my speaking opportunities growing to the point where now uh, in the past two and a half decades, I've had the privilege of speaking in over 20 countries. So it took years to get from where I started to where I am now, but uh, no amount of hypnosis is going to regrow a disintegrated disc in my lower back. But hypnosis and self-hypnosis have helped me tame the pain from an intolerable six or seven to a tolerable two or three. But I can't use hypnosis to mask all of the pain because that could make it make me more vulnerable to uh, causing further damage to my back, which is already injured. Yeah, because pain is, uh, a, is, a, is a signal. So if you reduced all the pain, you wouldn't be getting a signal. So, you, you know, you, but like you can still reduce it greatly, which you've done. That's correct. So uh, when I've seen clients for pain management, uh, for their protection, I have asked them to bring written permission from their examining physician because the cause of the pain needs to be diagnosed before you do any pain management or pain reduction. Yes. But that absolutely. being the case... Uh, I did work part-time for seven years for Franciscan Hospice using pain management imagery for terminal patients. Wow. And I learned a lot that I would never have learned in a textbook during those seven years. And it gave me great respect for people who work with death and dying. Wow. And then uh, hypnotherapy to me has been more than a career. It's um, It's a passion because... It's almost a full-time job caregiving for my wife, but as long as I am alive and able to do so, I plan on keeping um, involved in the profession, at least on a part-time basis, because it's, it's my life path. It's who I am. Wow. So that's kind of a, an abbreviated version of how I got to where I am now, my journey. What a journey, Roy. And, and we, we dive deeper into that, in, into parts of that journey um, later in the podcast. But let's say, and thank you so much for sharing that with me, but uh, diving deeper into how you mind others. Like you mentioned that client-centered hypnotherapy. Like, could you kind of talk to us a bit more about that? Because, you know, a, a lot of hypnotherapists try to fit the client to their script or to their kind of plan. But like, you know, it's so important to have to be client-centered. Like I, I work as a nurse, a general and mental health nurse, and it's all about client-centered, patient-centered, person-centered. So could you tell us a bit more about how you kind of match the, 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 the treatment to the, the client in client-centered hypnotherapy? I'll share a jewel, a gem that Charles Tebbets taught that suggestion and imagery work for the sum of the people some of the time. But when suggestion and imagery are insufficient or whatever your pet technique is, whether it's EFT or um, other techniques, there are three additional objectives that you have to consider you have to discover, notice I did not say diagnose, you have to discover the core cause. 
then you have to help the client release his or her emotional attachment to whatever that core cause is. And then the subconscious is much more open for reprogramming and subconscious reprogramming. Actually, you have to help the client believe both subconsciously and consciously that uh, his or her change will be permanent. And you consider those as the four hypnotherapy objectives, suggestion and imagery, discover the cause, release, and relearning or subconscious yeah. reprogramming. And that's the foundation of client-centered hypnosis. It is my professional opinion that every practicing hypnotherapist, in order to have uh, the highest possible success rate, should be well-trained in both hypnotic regression therapy, and there are a lot of traps for people who are not competently trained in regression therapy, such as uh, the risk of false memories. Yeah. And either parts therapy or one of its variations. Charles Tebbett's pioneered parts therapy, which is based on the concept that we have different components of the subconscious. Like I have an inner grade schooler, an inner preschooler, an inner adolescent, an inner adult. Yes. And when we have inner conflicts, it's because one or more of these parts uh, doesn't want to do what we would like to do. One session of parts therapy helped me permanently overcome migraine headaches, which plagued me from age six until I got into my 40s. Wow. Wow. I'm getting an image, Roy, of you know, these, Rus these Russian dolls. Do you know, like that, that, that we all have those different parts inside of us. And like that, if there's kind of conflict between those parts, that's when symptoms come up, isn't it? Well, the part that was causing the headaches was punishing me for not being perfect because when I was a child, my mother said, no job's worth doing unless you do it right. Yeah. And that part uh, that was a negative part for decades became a positive part because the part of me that wanted to overcome the headaches, I remember when I was in saying, when that part was speaking, look, it was perfect. Got nailed for two thousand years ago, and the woman I traded sessions with was uh, active in her church, and I still remember her breaking out in laughter uh, when uh, that popped out. But then that part said, "Isn't it best if Roy simply does the best he can? Some days his best might be better than other days, based on how he feels physically and emotionally." So the part that caused me grief and pain for decades is that part of me that wants to make sure my books are better than good before I send them to the publisher. Yeah. <laughs> so a part that was very negative turned out to be a very positive part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's just to get those different parts kind of, I suppose, you know, in communication and to come to that realization, yeah. isn't it? Yes, and there are variations of parts therapy. Um, yeah. Ego state therapy, resource therapy, uh, the Jaegerian method, which uh, Dr. Jaeger called subliminal therapy, uh, six-step reframe, and there are some other variations. I won't go into them all because this is not a discussion on parts therapy, but it is my professional opinion that the hypnotherapist who's most likely to have the highest success rate 
will be someone who is trained in both regression and either parts therapy or one of its variations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Absolutely. Like that, for example, I've seen a number of clients for uh, fear of flying who saw somebody else who did not use regression. One guy uh, said that uh, his hypnotherapist called it uh, phobia quick cure. And he said it worked fine on the outbound flight to Sydney, Australia. But he said on the return flight, he uh, said his subconscious bought back his fear of flying with a vengeance. And six miles above the Pacific Ocean, he literally was afraid he would uh, suffer a panic attack and die of a heart attack mid-flight. Wow. Not one, but several medical professionals who've taken my parts therapy workshops over the years uh, or regression therapy workshops, when I've mentioned that, have said he literally could have created his own heart attack uh, in that high state of emotional anxiety, fantasizing the heart attack. Absolutely, because as you know, when when you imagine something, your brain doesn't know whether it's real or not. So, like, he, like he he would have built that heart attack, you know, inside his own body. He would have kind of created it with that reaction to um, his surroundings. Absolutely, and and Roy, going back to those four that those that four kind of tier approach to clients centered hypnotherapy like can you think of a, of a of a client that you saw let's say that would be a good example of how you used each one of those four kind of approaches well i just figure that in a session or a series of sessions i want to accomplish all four of those objectives now charlie said that if a person is highly motivated and has a minimal amount of subconscious resistance Oftentimes, suggestion and imagery is enough. That's why scripts work for some of the people some of the time. Yes. I use an approach where I, if the client is seeing me for habit control or a motivational goal, in the intake, I ask the client to list his or her benefits because we're all tuned in to WIIFN. Those are the call letters for what's in it for me. So I yes. say, imagine you've been a non-smoker or you've been at your ideal weight or you have achieved your uh, desire a year ago, what's in it for you? Yeah. And then I have the client list his or her benefits. Then I have him or her tell me what's the most important benefit. I'll project the client forward in time in hypnosis because in your imagination, you can be anywhere in time or space. Yeah. Have them imagine they've already enjoyed success for a year and I'll have them fantasize the attitude of gratitude for uh, their benefits. And the subconscious is much more receptive to suggestions or scripts and people don't buy an item on price they want the benefits of the item and if someone pressures them to pay the price without getting a chance for example you won't buy a new car without test driving it yeah exactly <laughs> you you want to feel the car and imagine ownership before you uh, sign a contract to make the car payments at least that's the way most of us buy cars. <laughs> At any rate, I let the client test drive the benefits of his or her success in a state of hypnosis. And many people have seen me for weight management and smoking cessation through the years who have not needed to discover that. But when the subconscious resists the good suggestions or resists even the most well-written script, that's where uh, it's important to know other techniques so that you can dig the cause out of the subconscious. Yeah. And 
Gordon Emerson is a world-renowned psychologist and hypnotherapist has stated in writing that if either the therapist or the client has a preconceived opinion about what past event is the cause, there's a 50-50 chance that opinion is incorrect. That's yeah. why it's important to have the subconscious reveal what the cause is. Exactly, because as you said, like the, the, the cause is usually kind of, it's, it's hidden, it's buried in the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So consciously, you know, the person might think, oh yeah, it was this, but it's usually, as you said, it's usually not the case. Yeah, years ago, uh, when I taught a workshop on the East Coast, a hypnotherapist who was in the workshop asked me to uh, use regression to help him uh, discover and release the core cause. But he was pretty certain he knew what the cause was. And he asked me to regress him back to an incident that happened when he was five and his father uh, was drunk and broke a wine glass over his forehead. And then he pointed to the scar on his forehead. It turned out that was not the core cause of uh, his presenting problem. It was something totally different. Wow, when he was younger than five. In this case, actually, it was when he was in his mid-20s. Wow, okay, so he was digging in the wrong place. That he was. He had a wow. fear of success, but it turned out that uh, he'd been a very successful uh, contractor. And uh, what happened was, um, after enjoying a huge success, his partner stole a quarter of a million dollars out of the corporate bank account and moved to South America, leaving him stuck with uh, paying all of the subcontractors. And since uh, the checks bounced, he had to mortgage his fully paid up home to pay the bills. So he lost his house, he lost his business, and he lost his wife who had married him for his money and he didn't realize it until uh, his partner um, no wonder he had a fear of success. Yeah, wow, that's that, that's that's fascinating, isn't it? Yes. So um, his opinion, which he was certain that that event at five was why he was afraid of succeeding, because he felt that hurt his confidence. But he had his subconscious in hypnosis confirmed that he got his confidence back, but it was success he was afraid of because he suffered greatly the last time he succeeded. Wow, that's fascinating. I mean, uh, you know, kind of uh, amazing difference when you think about it. Very Absolutely. unusual. But it also tells me uh, something I've told clients many times through the years. God didn't make a bunch of yellow pencils. We are all different. Yeah. So it's, you so can use a technique that for three clients in a row with similar presenting problems and then the fourth client with the same presenting problem, you might need a totally different technique because of his or her unique circumstances. Yeah, because everyone's story is unique. Everyone's version of events is unique. Everyone's reaction. You know what to say about trauma? It's not what happens on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. So like 100 people could be in a bank that's held up by a gangster and they'll all have different trauma responses to the you know that event because it's not what's happening outside it's what's happening inside so you're like spot that. on with that and hypnosis can help dig out what's happening on the inside absolutely which is why we love it so much isn't it right it's just magical yes it is and not all core causes of events 
happened in childhood. A lady saw me you know, about 10 years ago for fear of flying. Her initial sensitizing event happened uh, during the World Series earthquake in the 1980s. She uh, was working in a skyscraper 50 stories up in downtown San Francisco and the buildings there are built to bend rather than break in an earthquake. And she was afraid when it swayed towards the street that her desk was going to come loose and smash her through the window uh, to her death 50 stories uh, to the street below. Wow. That was her initial sensitizing event. Yeah. And then the activating event uh, happened years later when she and her twin sister were flying in a plane and an engine caught fire. They had to make an emergency landing. So the subconscious connected the two events. These are tips about regression. Oh, and by the way, uh, there are legitimate concerns about regression because uh, those events caused a lot of people in both hypnotherapy and the mental health fields to get uh, uh, very turned off on regression. But yeah. you don't throw their baby out with the bathwater. So Bruce Eimer, who's a licensed clinical psychologist, and I co-authored The Art of Hypnotic Regression Therapy, uh, published by Crown House Publishing in 2012. And we address those concerns, but the book also uh, has tips on how to do regression properly. And that book helped build a bridge between hypnotherapy and psychology. So that's another part of my road, because back in the 80s, I knew there was what I called a great gulf between mental health field and hypnotherapy. And uh, at the time, I remember asking God to please have somebody build a bridge. Never did I dream in my wildest fantasies that I would be one of those bridge builders. Wow. <laughs> so, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing, man. And I know you've written a book, Roy, on spiritual hypnotherapy. Actually, I edited the book on spiritual hypnotherapy edited because the book, yeah. it's an anthology. Uh, there are over 80 case summaries submitted by over two dozen well-known experts around the globe. Most of the contributing authors are either hypnosis trainers or authors or both. And uh, there's a follow-up, which is another anthology experiencing uh, spiritual hypnosis, which uh, you can get on amazon.com or uh, you can get on my website, the PDF version. And could you my tell us a bit more right. about spiritual hypnotherapy? I discovered it by accident in the mid 80s when I was doing parts therapy for a lady uh, with, uh, whose goal was uh, weight management. And she was uh, had a very intense emotional desire to get rid of the weight. However, the part of her that wanted to overeat was determined not to get rid of the weight. And those two parts were arguing with each other and would not allow me to uh, negotiate uh, any sort of compromise. And when I called out a third part, no part emerged. And then I did my own peaceful place trigger, which is touching my thumb to my middle finger and said, take a deep breath and go way down. And as I'm doing that, I'm mentally in my mind asking God to give me some intuitive guidance on um, how to proceed. And then I had this sudden flashback that during the intake, she mentioned she was very involved in her church. 
So purely on intuition, I said, whatever part is connected to God or the Holy Spirit, you're an important part. Please come forward and provide some words of wisdom. And then in a goddess-like voice, I am here. And the part I wanted to be called Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit told the other two parts what to do. And within five minutes, her inner conflict was resolved. So wow. uh, though I kept my course secular that I was teaching at the college, she talked and I started having uh, through word of mouth, more and more clients through the years come to me for spiritual hypnosis. And then uh, I remember one time telling uh, Art Winkler and Pam Winkler about it. And Pam Winkler said, Roy, you need to bring that out of the closet. It took me several years. I finally brought it out of the closet at a part therapy workshop I did in Ireland in 1999. And the 100% enthusiasm motivated me to take it further. So I started discussing it the last two hours of every two-day parts therapy workshop I taught uh, from then on. And then eventually, uh, at Pam Winkler's urging, I eventually got a book written about it. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm, giving, that's you, I'm giving you the short version. The long version uh, would make this go uh, way over time, but uh, that's the short version. Okay, and to that's... me, it's an incredible honor. And I believe that when you use hypnosis to help a client access divine wisdom, yeah. miracles of the mind can occur. And I think that has a potential of changing the whole paradigm of our profession before the end of this century. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because look at, again, we could talk for hours, but like, look at, you know, yourself, the power of the mind and yes. the power of the subconscious. And if you can help people to tap into that kind of power that they have inside their own mind, now, because you know yourself, your mind can be, you know, a friend or a foe. And based on the programming from usually your childhood, if not, you know, like, as you said, later on in life, but usually going back to childhood, like I work in mental health, Roy, and um, I have done for years. I'm a mental health nurse. And they reckon that wow. 90%, 90% of mental illness is caused by childhood trauma. Let me share something you might find very interesting. Dr. Edwin Yeager, who uh, was a founder of subliminal therapy, which is a variation of parts therapy, he would talk to that part of the subconscious that had the best wisdom, knowledge, understanding, training, and experience. He called that centrum, you know, kind of like the center of the wisdom and knowledge etc. Yeah. And, and instead of mediating like I do, he would have Centrum arbitrate. But I met Dr. Yeager prior to his passing, and he told me something very interesting that many of his patients told him that they felt that Centrum was a higher self or God or guardian angel or Christ or Yahweh. Uh, which is a Jewish uh, term for God. And yeah. in other words, Dr. Yeager was pioneering spiritual hypnosis before I ever became certified. And I think when history is properly written, I believe Edwin Yeager deserves credit for that. But let me show you how powerful it is. Yeah. Uh, in When he reached 90, I got an email from him and 
he said that he'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Okay. Now there is allegedly no medical way of even stopping the progression of Alzheimer's. He wanted to find out if subliminal therapy could stop the progression of Alzheimer's. Yeah. So he had one of his former uh, subliminal therapy students who was a psychologist from Germany become his therapist and he became the client or the patient of his own technique. Yeah. Sometime afterwards, he visited his doctor to find out uh, whether it was successful or not. The success was beyond expectation. He was cured of Alzheimer's. Wow. When I read his email, I literally cried tears of joy. And uh, that, and he had an article that he and the psychologists co-authored to submit to uh, peer-reviewed medical journals as the first documented case of an Alzheimer's cure. So the, what I gather from that is if it's possible for divine wisdom in hypnosis to cure diseases, how far can that go when uh, the right people start studying it with uh, you know in cooperation with modern medicine but uh, you know some uh, credible licensed physician would have to head such a study but I would like to see that happen because uh, I believe that uh, could have far-reaching effects in helping people. Absolutely have you ever heard of a guy called Dr. Jack Gibson? Uh, no, he was Don't an Irish. In. He was an Irish surgeon. He was an Irish surgeon back in the sixties and seventies, and he learned hypnosis in with the Bedouin tribe in South Africa when he was there. So he came oh, really? back, oh. yeah, and he came back to Ireland, and he was one of the lead surgeons in Nace um, and Kildare, which is just outside of Dublin in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and he used hypnosis to as an anesthetic as a local anesthetic and a general anesthetic nice just like uh, uh happened in the 1800s with dr braid with braid anyway, yeah. yeah and esdale james esdale as well wasn't esdale, it? yeah the esdale yeah. state anyway uh, something else about incurable diseases i went through a whole lot of stress i won't say the details just the overview I went through a very stressful event in uh, the late 80s and started wheezing, having asthma attacks. And I had to have an inhaler on my nightstand. And occasionally, I even had to use an ingestible medicine. And I asked my doctor, um, how long will it be before I uh, can uh, heal from this asthma? He said, oh. It's a life sentence when you have onset in uh, middle age. Yeah. And I looked at him, I said, cancel. He said, what do you mean cancel? I said, I don't want what you just said to go into my subconscious. Yeah. And I refuse to believe that I can't overcome asthma. And he said, it's a life sentence. Once you get onset in your middle age, he said, uh, you'll never uh, heal from it. And I looked at him, I said, cancel. I intend to prove you wrong. Yeah. And I had one of my former hypnotherapy students do spiritual hypnosis on me to find uh, out what happened is that part of my subconscious that did not like what was happening to me 
created the asthma to get my attention that I needed to make a change in my life. So I made the necessary change and let's just say I haven't used uh, an inhaler or an ingestible since the 20th century and um, I have been free of asthma for decades and I was encouraged that Dr. Yeager made the same discovery because he used uh, subliminal therapy to help quite a few patients heal from asthma. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, that's that's an amazing story, Roy. Well, look, if, again, like we could talk for hours. Like, and again, thank you so much for sharing that fascinating journey with me and how you and how you mind others and all the amazing ways that you mind others and you know you help others. And how do you mind you? Well, number one, I endeavor to do for the client what I believe I would want done if the roles were reversed. And that's my life ethic. That's also what gives me the strength to uh, do caregiving for my wife because I know she'd be there for me if the roles were reversed. Yeah. And uh, I also realize that it's important for me to use mindful self-hypnosis for me as well. So um, oftentimes I'll use self-hypnosis to go to sleep at night. I suffered insomnia for decades and then uh, started being able to go to sleep within minutes after I became certified in hypnotherapy. So um, I can't say I believe in hypnosis if I'm not willing to uh, be on the receiving end and notice it's not if I need it, but when I needed it. But uh, I also learned years ago uh, after being on the receiving end of a couple of totally blown sessions that I'm particular who walks in my subconscious. So when it's my turn to be on the receiving end, uh, more often than not, I'll choose somebody who has either taken my training. I don't mean this to sound egotistical, but it's because I know the quality of their training. Absolutely. Or I'll take somebody who uh, I know practices client-centered hypnosis. So uh, I've occasionally traded sessions with somebody at a hypnosis conference uh, because I know the, uh, the fact that he or she is competent. There are people in our profession who are famous because they're good at marketing uh, and better at marketing than they are at hypnotherapy. Then there are some who are good at both. Absolutely. Marketing has never been my strength, but it's been uh, word of mouth. That has helped uh, and me that's the, that's, during my career. That's the biggest recommendation you can get is word of mouth. And Roy, just I know a lot of people listening. You know, um, sleep problems is is very are very common. What's your kind of you know what are your steps in, in that self hypnosis for better sleep? If you could share that with us. Well, uh, for anyone who uh, is familiar with the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, "Don't let the sun go down on your wrath." which makes me wonder if Paul knew something about the subconscious because what we are fantasizing or imagining or replaying before we go to sleep gets buried in the subconscious. So if you had a bad day and you're replaying uh, bad events from the day, that's going to uh, make you more upset. It might keep you awake for quite a while. And if you do go to sleep or when you go to sleep, if you're still uh it can bury in the subconscious and um, cause more stress 
It can cause uh, you to wake up in the middle of the night with worry. So if I've had a bad day or something really disgusting has happened, I'll put on a feel-good movie or feel-good music. And uh, for example, my wife had a really bad day recently and I put on one of my favorite movies to go to sleep to and I was asleep before the opening credits finished. Wow. What was the movie? Ben-Hur. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Okay, okay. I've also occasionally put on a Star Wars movie to go to sleep to <laughs> because I like the Star Wars movies. I'm a science fiction nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife and I are both Star Trekkers, so uh, we're Trekkies. And, and you, um, and again, like I know sleep issues are, are common, um, but, you know, again, like the best way to kind of, you know, show the, how powerful anything is, is to do it on yourself, isn't it? Well, I'm an analytical resistor, so uh, I couldn't get past a light state of hypnosis all the months I studied under Charles Tebbets, but yeah. I found out that mental confusion induction was my best induction. So when I first learned to go to sleep easily, I would do a mental confusion. I would, I would go into a state of self-hypnosis and I would lie in bed thinking as I count from 100 down to the number one, I'll get sleepier and sleepier. I take another breath thinking one number per breath. And anytime I think of two numbers in the same breath, or forget to think of a number in the breath. I can get sleepier, forgetting to remember the next number or the one before until um, I get so sleepy that uh, I just stop trying to think of the numbers and fall asleep. And it took me several nights to make it work more effectively, but then uh, it worked like a charm where I very rarely would I even get past 80 before I'd already be asleep. And then one time I remember getting all the way down to the number one when I had a bad day. And then when I got to the number one, I literally opened my eyes and said, okay, God, it didn't work. And that's the last thing I remember until the next morning. <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So it worked for me, but I, I don't have to use that technique. I haven't used that technique in over 30 years now because, uh, it helped me um, cure myself of insomnia. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Roy, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And where can people find you? Oh, my website is www.royhunter.com. That's royhunter.com. And I've cool. written quite a number of books. They're available on my website. And I also have some uh, training videos for uh, people who would like to learn more about parts therapy or regression therapy or perfect. spiritual uh, hypnosis perfect well look i'll put a link to your website on this podcast and i know i've been there myself there's lots of resources and lots of advice and lots of tips and information there so i'll put a link to that and roy thank you so much for being so kind and for being so generous and for sharing with me the amazing toolkit that you have and how you mind others and how you mind you and just the amazing journey that you've been on and that you continue to be on and best of luck with everything that you do in the future. Thank you very much. And I appreciate your interviewing me and I wish you and your listeners uh, 
live long and prosper or practice long and prosper if you're in the hypnosis profession. Thank you so much for listening to Mind You and I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You Podcast wherever you listen to it. And please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and Mind You at brianbarneswellbeing.com and remember to mind you.